0: Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, welcomes you to this edition of Shi'ar Jeshub. Let's join Pastor Greg Scalzo as he continues the Heavenly Authority series. Last time we were studying the reasons for the division of the Kingdom of Israel into the 10 Northern Tribes, taken from Solomon's son Rehoboam and given to Jeroboam, the Ephraimite, the son of Nebat, according to the word of the Lord spoken, the word of the Lord spoken to Solomon, and then dramatically by the prophet Ahijah to Jeroboam, and how the kingdom would be divided, and you would have the ten northern tribes, and the southern tribe of Judah, to whom Benjamin would quickly go with. So you'd have Judah and Benjamin in the south and the ten tribes to the north. And um, we saw last time the prophecy of Ahijah to Jeroboam, who was a mighty man of valor, who was an industrious uh, young man who had been made an officer over all the labor force of the house of Joseph, which makes sense, he's from Ephraim and how Ahijah takes the new garment, tears it into 12 pieces, and tells him to take 10 pieces for himself, and proclaims the judgment of God because of the following by Solomon of the foreign gods of the peoples around them. And last time, we discussed unity versus division, how it was God's heart's desire for Israel to be one kingdom, and we've seen this in the golden age of Israel under David and Solomon, one kingdom established, secure, one people. But that when heresies come in, when abominations, idolatry, gross error, Solomon here has built high places to all the foreign gods of the wives he's taken. And these foreign gods have hideous practices associated with them, when you have such things going on, God must allow, and here even cause and bring about, division. That in the end, the truth might be preserved. That in the end, the people might be saved. To humble and bring down in power, that his people might be repentant, that the truth might be refound, to break the power of authority that has been corrupted, and power corrupts. The power of the kingship of Judah has become corrupted. It cannot be allowed to go on unchecked. And division as a punishment is part of God's way of dealing with this corrupt leadership. We mentioned the parallels in United States history, the split in this country over the sin of slavery. And we mentioned the parallels in church history, all the schisms, divisions in church history. When the church goes after gross error, apostasy, when things come in that should not be there and the power structure seems so strong that it'll never change, God allows division. He brings about division so that there might be a humbling, there might be repentance, that the truth can be refound. We are called to be one body, united under one head, Christ Jesus, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a strong plea that Paul makes to them that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That is the goal, that is the ideal way that we say the same thing, that we be united, there be no divisions, no schisms among us, perfectly joined, same mind, same judgment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24, the second part of that verse, but God composed the body, and the body being a type of the church, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism, no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another." So God wants the church, the body, to be whole, no divisions, each part caring for the other, each saying the same thing. That's the ideal that the Lord has. But the body we are called to as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16, is to have the mind of Christ. Christ is the head. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14 that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love." So in this section, Paul, again using the example of the body, tells us, as a body, it all works together. It's all knit together. It all grows. It's all edified as we speak the truth in love, growing into him who is the head Christ, not being deceived, not being tossed about to and fro by every wind of doctrine of teaching. So in this unity that we're supposed to have, that we should have, it's not a vague, doctrine list no teaching, ecumenicalism. It's not we all just get together and agree like an average. We take some beliefs, we average them out, or better yet, let's not even speak about any beliefs because really what does it matter if we all just kind of have a warm feeling for each other. We don't have to even use the Bible or speak about the Bible. We just hold hands and pray to God or the universal goddess or whatever we want to call as God before force, or whatever because we don't quite believe anything, but we all are one together. That's ecumenicalism. Paul is not speaking about that here, is he? He's speaking about the one God, the one head Christ Jesus, the truth of his word, and that he has to be the one in control, and we are to be one in him. It is not doctrine-less, lists; is the teaching of the great rabbi, Jesus the Christ. And then we're called to be one in him. This is different from the worldly system of ecumenicalism. So the division we have here in 1 Kings chapter 11 we could say is God's conditional will for Israel. It's his conditional will because of their sin, because of the gross sin of their leader. And remember the important principle in the heavenly authority series? We've seen over and over again what the leader does, and that's why we have to be careful the leaders we choose, what the leader does impacts on the people. Because of the gross sin of Solomon, This division of northern Israel and southern Judah is God's conditional will for Israel. Because the church in history has allowed, different bodies have allowed gross error to come in, at different points in history, it has been God's conditional will, because of gross sin and error, to have division in his body so that It can be dealt with that there's not this ultimate power that controls and corrupts and that the truth can be refound. It's conditional on account of, on condition that the people sin, he's got to deal with that sin. He has to deal with what Solomon has done here. But God's positional will, his heart's desire, what he really wants for us, the ultimate goal, his positional will for the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is to be a united people, to be one people under one king. And the promise that the divided kingdom has for this purpose of God we see in the prophecy of Ezekiel. If you look in Ezekiel chapter 37, we glimpse the heart of God for his nation Israel. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 15. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, As for you, son of man, take a stick for yourself and write on it for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions. Again, Judah is still considered Israel, right? There's not this linguistic um, trick that's used. By some today. We have a northern section that's called Israel and it's part of Israel, and we have southern Judah also is still considered part of Israel. For Judah and for the children of Israel his companions. Then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel his companions. Divided country. The north and the south. Then join them one to another for yourself into one stick, and they will become one in your hand. And when the children of your people speak to you, saying, will you not show us what you mean by these, say to them, and again we see the prophets, right, that God will give them many times with a prophecy, an action. That's very symbolic. Last week we saw Ahijah tearing the new garment here Ezekiel gets the prophecy, take these two separate sticks and join them, and in your hand they become one rod, one stick. And when they ask you, saying, what you mean by these, say to them, verse 19, thus says the Lord God, surely I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel, his companions, and I will join them with it, with the stick of Judah, And make them one stick, and they will be one in my hand. And the sticks on which you write will be in your hand before their eyes. Then say to them, thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land, on the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king over them all. They shall no longer be two nations, nor shall they ever be divided into two kingdoms again. They shall not defile themselves any more with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions but I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned and will cleanse them. Then they shall be my people and I will be their God. David, my servant, shall be king over them. They shall all have one shepherd. Join Pastor Greg on the web for serious Bible study and information about our church. The address is www.shiarjashub.org. And may the Lord bless you as you serve him.